My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. This morning, we're going to be looking at the text primarily from the the epistle to the Romans, as well as the gospel according to St. Matthew. And the title of my sermon this morning is The Individual and Communal Shape of the Christian Life. When I was much younger, I went to a church-run youth camp, and most of us have had that experience, either being at like a church-run youth camp or at a camp organized by other groups. And the thing that both types have in common is that kids attend them. And if kids go to camp, summer camp or whatever, then there's going to be some, shall we say, behavioral issues that will present themselves from time to time. One year, a particularly troublesome group of, uh, of kids, well, one actually, played a prank that went a bit just too far. You know, it's always, you have the one troublemaker with his, you know, friends in tow. The result of that prank was that all of us were woken up by the youth leaders in the middle of the night. And uh, we had to go outside in, in our, like, underwear, basically, right in the middle of the night to face the consequences, Right? And so you know what they do, you know, you're all going to suffer, right? Because if, if somebody, somebody come forward and, you know, tell us who did it or else we're all going to stand out here all night. And none of us, none of us snitched, but it was tiring and it was kind of a little cold outside. So eventually the guy who did the prank, he owned up to it and we were all allowed to go back upstairs to our dorms and to go back to bed. And I talk about this because the prank, though, done in secret by this individual had consequences that spilled out to everyone. And it's much the same thing with our sinful actions, right? Our sinful choices affect not just ourselves, but also those around us. They affect us individually, but also communally. And interestingly enough, life in Christ, salvation, works pretty much the same way, individually and communally. And thinking about the individual aspect of this, I was, uh, in the reading that we heard from the gospel according to St. Matthew, the context that helps us to understand what we're looking at here is um, this happens right after what we talked about last week, right? Last week was Jesus, uh, who do men say that I am? Some say Jeremiah, some say, you know, the prophet Elijah, uh, John the Baptist, and Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter's like, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, blessed are you, Simon, son of Barjona. Flesh and blood has revealed this to you. Uh, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Peter's like, right on. And then we get this passage in Matthew. Jesus says, listen, it's going to happen. The religious leaders, the chief priests and the scribes, they're going to kill me in collusion, you know, with with the Romans. And this is going to happen soon. And St. Peter says, no way, Jesus, this is not happening. And we ask ourselves, well, why does he say this? Maybe he was still riding high from his confession a little bit earlier. Maybe he thought this was just a test, right? Maybe he thought, well, I got it right last time. 
He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, even though Jesus actually told us who he was before he even asked us that question by referring to himself as the Son of Man, right? And maybe Peter is thinking, well, on this confession, Jesus says he's going to build his church and then also upon me and also upon the rest of the 12 as well. Like, okay, yeah, right on. Maybe he got a little proud. So Peter's like, no way, Jesus, this isn't happening. And what does Jesus say to him? He doesn't say, sorry, Peter, you're wrong. He calls Peter the devil, right? He says, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. Because Jesus has to go to the cross. He has to suffer. Not because God really needs to punish somebody, but punishes Jesus instead. But Jesus going to the cross is identifying with humanity so much so that he shares in our suffering and in our death. But the difference is his death imparts eternal life. And he says that we are to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. See, Jesus cannot sidestep the road to the cross, and neither can we. For some people, like, his, like the apostles, it's a literal martyrdom, right? They followed him to their death. St. Peter, tradition says, followed Jesus to the cross. He's also crucified. All of the other disciples and apostles were also martyred hor horrifically. They could not sidestep it, and neither can we. We might not experience a literal crucifixion or a literal martyrdom, like physically, like you know, being dragged outside of the church and, and killed in the street. We may not experience that. But we might experience persecution and martyrdom in other ways. And so we ask ourselves, well, why should we walk this road of self-denial? Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, come after me. What does it profit a person if they gain the entire world but lose their soul? Because just as Christ brought new life through his death, we will only experience new life to the degree that we pattern our life according to his self-denial is the Christian response to everything we can acquire in this world. It doesn't matter what the Instagram influencers will tell you or the TikTok influencers will tell you. You can go on social media and you can look at people like having a super expensive vacations and they're like, if you buy my course, I can teach you, you know, how to do this as well, right? Look at me, I, I, I was able to get into this five-star hotel. You can do it too. Or people sitting like on stacks of money, right? The thing is, all of that stuff will die. All of that stuff will pass away. When they buried the pharaohs in the pyramids, they would bury them with treasure. So people often tried to break in so they could steal the treasure, right? Because the treasure was supposed to help them as they moved into the afterlife, right? But were they able to use any of that treasure? Well, the answer is no, because they were dead. So all of the treasure that they were buried with was for nothing. Because as we all know, we can't take it with us. And you, unless you think that you know, people, oh, we don't do that anymore today. We don't get buried with things. Au contraire. I've heard stories really happening of people who were buried in their fancy or, or their muscle car that they had loved their whole life, right? This car was everything to them. So when they were buried, they were actually buried in their car. Or 
I had a really beloved you know, pet, and so I will be buried with the remains of my pet so we can be together. Right? We still do this in different ways. We try to take hold of, of something that's transient, something that will waste away, and we try to bring it with us to the grave, and we can't. But what Christ offers us is transcendent. The world can only offer us things that die with us. And only Christ offers something that is not only transcendent, but will result in our own transcendence, our eternal life with Him. And this highlights in this portion the individual nature of this salvation. He says, anyone who comes after me, let him or her take up their cross. And he ends this, that we will all give an account before him for what we have done. Unless we think otherwise, we are reminded in the New Testament that there is a judgment of works. Now we move on to the epistle of St. Paul to the Romans, and we highlight the communal aspect of the shape of the Christian life. While the Gospel reading directly seems to address us as individuals, but it also still has a, a communal aspect too, the Epistle reading, I think, builds off of Jesus' words in Matthew quite nicely because I see this as the application of Jesus' words to the worshiping community as a whole. St. Paul says, Brothers, I appeal to you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. And so, us presenting our bodies to God as a living sacrifice, this is our walking out of, this is our taking up our cross and following Jesus. Because the cross is the sacrificial, I don't want to say metaphor, right? The, the cross is how Jesus is offered on our behalf. And so we are to present ourselves in the same way. And it's interesting, we're going to come before the Lord's table and altar in a little bit, and one of the things we're going to say in our prayer is, we present to you, O Lord, ourselves as a living sacrifice. There's a communal context here, because he's talking to a group. We are not to allow ourselves to be formed by the world. Right? So Jesus says, what does it profit a person if they gain the world and lose their soul? And St. Paul says, do not conform yourself to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We are to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And we do this through self-denial expressed communally. We express self-denial individually as well as communally. And St. Paul tells us how we can do that. How do we deny ourselves as a community? Well, he says, through service. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us then use them. Use them. And the context that he lists us using the gifts that God has given us through his grace, we use those for one another, right? He says in our serving, he says in prophecy, which is the proclamation of God's word, right? Uh, uh, the one who teaches, the one who exhorts, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads, the one who performs acts of mercy, right? All of these are done by us for one another. This is how we deny ourselves as a community, how it's, how it's expressed communally.
because there are many members in Christ's body, the church, and life in the church itself is salvific. The church is necessary, brothers and sisters. There is no Christian without the church. The idea that one can be a Christian in private, apart from the church, is foreign to the scriptures and it's foreign to our faith. We cannot be a Christian alone. Well, I feel God more when I go golfing. Well, tell Jesus that when you stand before him at the final judgment. I feel the presence of God more when I stand on a hill and I look out and I see the beautiful rivers and the mountains. That's great. But can you taste the rivers and the mountains? No. Can you feed on the rivers and mountains? No. We feed and we receive Christ in the church. I'm a Christian, but I just, I just, I don't like church because it's full of hypocrites. Exactly, which is why you need to go. That's not for you guys, that's for the people, not even for the people watching. This is for the people who will be listening to this later, right? I'm just kidding. We've all bought in, right? That's why we're all here. But there's no Christian without the church. There's this idea that one can exist as a Christian and consider oneself a Christian apart from the life in the church, right? That's the point. Like if you go to a church, if anybody goes to a church and there's no hypocrites, you should probably leave that church because that's like the whole point, right? Part of the point of the Christian life, right, is us learning and growing together in Christ. And when we learn and we grow together, that's going to cause conflicts. And that means we're not always going to live up to the ideals of Scripture, to the ideals set forth by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are going to miss it. I'm going to miss it, and you're going to miss it. It doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter how mean you are. We are all going to fall short. But we, there is no life in Christ apart from the community of Christ. And we all have different functions here, different roles to play. And we have to remember that the difference in function, the difference in what we do in the community for one another does not make anyone better than any other. The difference is that what we have been gifted to do is different. My dad used to say, you know, we're not defined by our function, but we're defined by our identity in Jesus Christ. Father Patrick Henry Reardon wrote this, the person of the church is not, the purpose, excuse me, of the church is not to aid Christians in their individual Christian pursuit. The church pertains rather to the very essence of their Christian pursuit. The life in Christ is, by its very nature, life in the faith and the communion of the church. So we ask ourselves that, okay, individually, communally, how do we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice? Am I going to, like, carry stones? And No. No. Stab myself? No. How, how do we deny ourselves? How do we deny ourselves? How do we serve one another, right? St. John Chrysostom said this, How is the body to become a sacrifice? Let the eye look on no evil, and it has already become a sacrifice. Let the tongue say nothing filthy, and it has become an offering. Let your hand do nothing evil, and it has become a whole burnt offering. But even this is not enough, for we must have good works also. The hand must do alms, the mouth must bless those who curse it, and the ears must find time to listen to the reading of Scripture. Sacrifice allows of no unclean thing. 
It is the, it is the first fruits of all other actions. So part of the way that we deny ourselves and follow Jesus is by prayer. Prayer. Here together and individually. The way we deny ourselves and follow Jesus and take up a cross is through good works. We do, we do good works here, right? Bethlehem Emergency Services, our involvement with uh, uh, Bright Hope uh, Emergency Pregnancy Services, all that stuff. We do good works here, but we're also meant to do these individually. And then also Scripture, reading Scripture, hearing Scripture read to us here, listening to Scripture proclaimed, and then hearing it explained, right? And then also devotions, our personal devotions at home and together. We deny ourselves by using what we've been given with, by God's grace, for the uplifting of the church and one another. And it is our giving our life to this end that we will participate and partake in the new life in the age to come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you are ever in the area, please join us for worship. We'd love to meet you. If you have any questions about what you heard, or if you would like prayer, please reach out to us on our Facebook page or our website, ZionStoneUCC.com. We also are raising funds for some repairs to our stained glass windows. So if you get a benefit from listening to this podcast, please head over to GoFundMe.com slash Zion Stone Church Repair Fund. God bless you, and thanks for listening.